welcome to our second TCCL Tidbits episode. I'm your host, Elise, joined by my bite-sized sass of a co-host, Winston the Cat. Before we get started with today's topic, I want to make a couple disclaimers. First, nothing in this episode should be construed as legal advice. The purpose of this tidbit episode is to provide general information about particular legal topics for educational purposes only. Second, while I'm a licensed attorney, I don't practice criminal law. All of my information comes from state laws and court cases. Finally, because our podcast focuses on true crime in the Pacific Northwest, our tidbits will be framed with that lens as well. But I will do my best to make comparisons to other states and provide generalizations when appropriate. Today, we are continuing our discussion of the Fifth Amendment. In our first Tidbits episode, we discussed double jeopardy, but today we're diving into the heart of the Fifth Amendment, the right against self-incrimination. This is probably one of the most often cited amendments in true crime. The relevant language of the Fifth Amendment we're discussing is this. No person shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against him or herself. We've all heard the phrase, I plead the fifth, in some episode of Law and Order. But what exactly does this mean, and what is covered when someone invokes that phrase? The most important protection and function of using that phrase is that a person gains the right to refuse to answer questions relevant to any criminal charges against him or her, either at present or in a future criminal case. According to an insider article I read, quote, when someone pleads the fifth, the person is excusing him or herself from answering questions, typically when it could incriminate themselves, end quote. For example, when Mark McGuire was testifying to Congress about potential steroid use in Major League Baseball, he frequently pled the fifth whenever he was directly asked if he used steroids at any time during his baseball career. Similarly, during the O.J. Simpson trial, Detective Mark Furman invoked his Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination when he was asked questions about whether or not he planted evidence at the crime scene. Originally, the self-incrimination protection only applied to criminal issues. However, in 1972, the Supreme Court changed that. In the case of Castigar versus United States, the Supreme Court ruled that the self-incrimination protection could be applied whenever a person, quote, reasonably believes that the disclosure could be used in a criminal prosecution or could lead to other evidence that might be used, end quote. This often comes up when a suspect invokes their right to plead the fifth during parallel civil and criminal proceedings. For example, in our first bonus episode, we discussed the case of Kyron Horman a seven-year-old boy who disappeared from his elementary school in Portland, Oregon. You may recall that we discussed the civil suit Kyron's mom eventually brought against Kyron's stepmom, Terry. Terry invoked her right against self-incrimination to the point where Kyron's mom had to drop the suit because it was clear it would go nowhere until the criminal proceedings had ended. Terry knew that anything she said in that civil proceeding would be used as further evidence against her should she ever be tried in connection with Kyron's disappearance. Unfortunately, pleading the fifth is her right, both in the civil suit and if she ever faced any criminal prosecution. 
she doesn't have to say anything that would be used in a criminal prosecution against her or anything that could lead police to additional evidence to be used against her in a criminal prosecution. The last thing I want to discuss isn't necessarily part of the self-incrimination privilege, but it has to do with the consequences of taking such an action. While everyone has the right to plead the fifth, the court of public opinion often precedes the invocation of the right as a tacit admission of guilt, even though judges instruct juries that they're not allowed to do so. That's why generally, if a witness's testimony is particularly crucial, but they're also a bad actor, the prosecution will generally grant the witness immunity. Once the witness has immunity, they can't invoke their right to plead the fifth because they've been told through the grant of immunity that they won't be prosecuted for whatever crimes they committed, subject to the agreement, of course. And that's all for our tidbit on self-incrimination. We hope you learned a little something you didn't know before, or at the very least, refreshed your knowledge on the subject. If you haven't listened to our episode on Kyron Horman, I would encourage you to check it out. It's quite the case, and I didn't even scratch the surface on Terry's shadiness. Our sources for this episode can be found at our website, truecrimecatlawyer.com. You can also find the links to our social media pages and our contact information there as well. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for our next episode.